Hey there, I'm Becca Campbell, your pediatric sleep consultant, and this is the Little Z Sleep Podcast, where I am committed to resolving your child's exhausting sleep habits so you can look forward to bedtime. Today's episode, I'm diving into the four things my clients try to hide from me. But you know what? There's actually more. I put together a free guide on 10 things my clients try to hide that you can steer clear from. You can grab this big ultra packed download on littlezsleep.com slash 10 things, T-E-N things. littlezsleep.com slash 10 things will score your free download on all the 10 things that my clients try to hide from me that actually hinder their sleep training success. I want to make sure that you steer clear of them. And in some situations, you go to the alternatives that I highly recommend. So without getting further into things, let's go ahead and jump into number one. About four months into your baby's life, y'all, you have totally gone past the honeymoon phase and you are working hard with your baby. You might be struggling with postpartum depression. And the thing is, parents, shouldn't they be working on making their child sleep easier instead of making their marriage harder? Oh man, this rings so true. In fact, I have this photo of Chad, my husband, holding our oldest daughter, Ellie. And if you remember from episode one, she is the reason why I do what I do. And in this photo, she, I can just remember it so vividly, she has this face of just sheer exhaustion. (laughs) And Chad's holding her on his shoulder and her face is looking up at me so helpless and exhausted. And I remember she was crying for hours and hours on end. And what I didn't realize was that the yes, this was part of colic, but also that she should have been asleep (laughs) and I shouldn't have been trying to make her happy or trying to feed her. She just was purely exhausted. And I realized so often looking back that our marriage was suffering because we were completely in disagreement about what should happen. And honestly, y'all, this is what's happening with my clients. And I come into a home and they are very quick to admit that yes, their child needs sleep. We need help. We need change. Our marriage is suffering. But what they aren't sharing with me is that at 2 a.m., is the real trouble. (laughs) At 2 a.m., mom and dad are disagreeing. Mom and dad have absolutely no idea what to do. Dad wants to maybe take a more aggressive approach to sleep training and mom wants to try something softer. And mom was going to try and power through alone, but dad wanted to be more involved. And so here we are at 2 a.m. with mixed solutions and mixed effects of sleep training. So the problem is when mom and dad are on different pages, everything is inconsistent. And it's honestly just not fair or helpful to your child. Y'all sleep? That's a consistent activity. You are going to sleep from your board until your end of your life. And we have got to get to a consistent approach to resolving it. Otherwise, you're just never going to see results by doing things differently. So a lot of times what I find is when I give my clients a plan, they are so thrilled and excited to jump into something. But at 2 a.m. when their baby is protesting, which gets into number two, they start to disagree on what's happening. They start to look at the fact that they're not actually communicating expectations with each other on who would handle that check or who would handle that soothing. And honestly, they just get into a habit of miscommunicating their expectations for the night. And it's easy to hide the fact that you and your spouse might have different ideas going on and that there isn't really a good plan if you're not laser focused on your goals. So the minute that I introduce a plan to follow and then keep you accountable, that's when their teamwork actually clicks. So it does take a couple of nights for 
this teamwork to form. And once it does, everything is so much smoother. So I know that we can resolve your child's exhausting sleep habits with a focused plan. We're going to be honest about your concerns. We're going to share openly about how you see things differently than your spouse. And that honestly, y'all, some of my favorite consultations and phone calls are when mom and dad are both involved. My favorite initial calls are when mom says, hey, Becca, I'm just going to conference in my husband real quick. I love that because instantly we are on the same page. So if you are out there DIYing your sleep training with your child, I totally commend you. And I would like you to go ahead and make your action plan with your partner. Make sure that everybody is on the same page so that we are giving the ultimate consistent approach to your child because sleep is a consistent activity and we have to have a consistent approach to resolve it fully. The second thing my clients hide from me is that they don't have any tolerance for listening to their baby cry. Now, I mean, let's be real. Nobody likes to hear their child cry. Nobody likes to hear a newborn baby being upset. And nobody likes to hear your five-year-old crying and whining. But I'm willing to bet that you also would like a good night's sleep. Surprisingly, this is the second thing my clients try to hide from me, their ability to handle crying. So let me invite you into the beginning of pretty much every call I have with the family. They open up with saying, Becca, I will do anything to get my kid to sleep. But ironically, they are the ones crying for help. Mentally, mom and dad are ready for the change, but physically and emotionally, they're dealing with a lot of protest in the moment, and that always holds them back. Why is that? Well, it's because it's a new experience. No one explained to you why this crying is happening and you were not really taught and given the tools on how to manage it. So let's be real. Crying is something nobody enjoys. Nobody likes to hear their baby be upset. And you should not experience night after night after night of crying. So you have a decision to make. And I tell my families this. Look, do you want to endure relentless crying night after night as you go through trial and error with no action plan? Or do you want to make progress with limited and controlled protest and gain the confidence and power to get through a knowledgeable plan and support? Because if that's so, then guess what? Your child will sleep well and something has changed and their crying is no longer there. If my clients didn't work with me or they didn't take my online newborn course, there are a lot of exhausting habits that mom and dad are going to have to change. And your child is going to notice that. And guess what? They're going to protest. So it doesn't matter if you are one day old or seven years old. Nobody likes change. And pretty much everyone comes on change with crying. Mom and dads, honestly, are both equally guilty of this. They hide their fear of crying from me, making really sure that they've got a game face on, they're ready to go. But I typically get clued in on night three or five of the plan and they confess that, you know what, one of us just really cannot handle this. Honestly, when I go into someone's home, that's when they really open up and share that, hey, Becca, look, I just got to go take a walk and my husband is going to deal with this. Or yes, even the other way around. And I will say that I find that moms actually have a higher tolerance of the baby protesting because they tend to be around it more. And dads have a lower tolerance because they just aren't as accustomed to it as much as mom is. But you know what? The dads have become my biggest advocate of a sleeping baby. Why? Because dad is so ready to spend time with his wife again. And when you realize that you get to have time together every night, that's what makes it worth it. And knowing that you get to enjoy your baby the next morning because they're sleeping well. Number three, okay, who is ready 
for the juiciest thing that my clients hide from me and what made me ball up a piece of paper and throw it across the room when I was talking to a former family. Y'all, it's the pacifier. Yes, oh man, this is one that I am actually so passionate about talking and speaking truth into because honestly, after four months old, your baby does not need a pacifier anymore. I know, ah, shock and horror because we see three-year-olds walking around with pacifiers and it kind of becomes this like cultural norm, but it really shouldn't be. What we're looking at here are three factors of why we wanna make sure that pacifier is gone and goodbye for good after four months old. So I will say that so often, the pacifier number one is used as a sleep prop. And that's great for newborns because they cannot self-soothe and they do really honestly need help from a pacifier and they have a sucking reflex that is so powerful, they need to be soothed by a pacifier. But after four months old, it becomes this issue of causing broken sleep. So raise your hand. It's okay because I have a zero judgment zone here. Raise your hand if you've been using the scatter technique. Oh, Becca, what's the scatter technique? That's when you take pacifiers and sprinkle them and scatter them all over the crib in hopes that your baby will wake up, grab one, pop it back in its mouth, and go back to sleep, right? That's not really happening. (laughs) Let's be honest. You're rushing down the hall to plug that pacifier back into your baby's mouth before they actually wake up. And that is a problem because your baby is getting broken sleep. And most of all, you are getting broken sleep all night long. Broken sleep simply means that you're getting up and being awake all throughout the night, breaking up your natural sleep cycles that are supposed to be all connected and flow together well so you get the most benefits out of a good night's sleep. And instead, everyone is getting up and down, up and down all night long, which means you're not getting the full benefits of a great night's sleep. That's issue number one with the pacifier. You're gonna get broken sleep. Your baby is cause of having broken sleep caused by the pacifier, okay? The second reason we want to ditch that pacifier after four months old is because honestly, it's now linked to speech delay. I had a meeting one time at a family's house and they had a two and a half year old and a six month old. And I was there to help the six month old. And we were sitting at their dining room table, walking through their sleep plan, walking through what we were getting ready to do for bedtime routine. And they had their both kids at the dinner table eating. And the younger one, the son, had a pacifier and mom kept popping it back in his mouth every second that he made a little tiny noise. Like any second he just kind of whimpered or whined or just made a regular old baby noise, mom would shove it back in his mouth. And it finally came down to the point of our consultation where I had to say, okay, Tori, it's time to get rid of the pacifier for good. And she looked at me in complete shock and she looked at her husband and they both looked at me and were honestly extremely surprised and probably wanted to kick me out of the house right then. But I will tell you, she admitted in the next three minutes, she kept reaching towards that pacifier and she laughed every time and she said, Becca, I'm just so accustomed to it. She was like, when we go out in public, this is what I use because I've got to make sure that he's quiet. But y'all, Babies are babies. They're going to make noises. They're going to be whiny. They're going to cry. Things are going to happen and you can't continue to plug them up. I am a huge advocate of having a voice and that starts, yeah, when you're six months old. So I'm so excited to share that that baby, guess what? Two nights, 
That's all it took to help him understand to sleep a full night rest. And we got older sister off of using the pacifier, so it was a win-win for everybody. So not only is it causing broken sleep, it's also linked to improper dental developments. I will put a link in this free guide download, which again, you can find on littlezsleep.com slash 10 things, where you can see all the alternatives and all of the links and studies that point to the pacifier use and actually give you my favorite toys and tools to use as alternatives during the day. Because I know that the pacifier might be your child's number one and favorite teething toy, but there are so many good options out there besides the pacifier. So throw those pacifiers away after four months. We don't need them. Cut them up. Let it be known no more and move on to some other strategies and tools and toys that are actually good for your kid. And yeah, about that family where I crumbled up the paper and tossed it across the room, yes, they were hiding the fact that they kept their pacifier the entire time we worked together, and a year later, we're still struggling because it had made its way back, all the way back, until middle of the night wake-ups all throughout the night. So I crumbled up my paper, threw it across the room, as soon as she said, well, Becca, we still have the pacifier. And I told her, remember when I told you to throw that away a year ago? Yep. Here we are again, and I'm telling you, throw it away. All right, y'all, number four might surprise you. In fact, it's probably going to blow you away because this is the number one registered item that I find, and it's also the number one product when you search for how to get my baby to sleep. Rather, it's the number one product when you search how to get my newborn to sleep. So let me just save you parents a whole lot of misery by saying, Please avoid the rock and play. Yes, the dreaded rock and play. Can we just look at the name? Is it called the rock and sleep? No. It's called the rock and play. It's actually not meant for a full night's sleep or really for a nap solution. But of course, it is the number one product that I find that newborn parents and even four-month-old parents are relying on to get a good stretch of sleep in. Now, I completely understand why. It's all the reasons that I don't like the rock and play is the reason that your baby likes the rock and play. The way that it cradles your baby, it makes them feel like they're being held, which of course means that you don't have to hold them all the time. But because of this, it actually is now known for the torticollis syndrome, flathead, right? And so I really need to make sure that your baby can move, can get comfortable, and can actually start to maneuver and manipulate his or her body to find self-soothing tactics. That's where things begin. And we don't want to make your baby feel constrained or feel like they can't start to become self-soothers and independent sleepers. Now, the rock and play is definitely okay for a nap every now and then, but it is not something that we need to depend on. So about a year ago, I worked with a family with a seven-month-old, and they admitted right off the bat that their baby was primarily sleeping in their rock and play right next to the crib. And honestly, this is the majority of things that I find. We go into the nursery, and there's a rock and play set up to the perfectly wonderful crib right next to it. And I get it. Your kid does not know how to self-soothe. They don't have sleep strategies yet, so how could they possibly sleep flat in their crib? They obviously sleep way better in a rock and play because it makes them feel like they're being held. It's got the motion, all these things that are good, but can be abused. And so when I worked with this seven-month-old family, first of all, the kid, her feet were dangling off the ends. There was absolutely no more room in the rock and play. So of course, we're going to get her out and put her into the crib. And I'll never forget when I went through my spiel just like this, why we're not going to use this rock and play anymore. 
she became my number one fan of being anti-rock and play. (laughs) She still tells me to this day that she is so committed to teaching parents about the horror of the rock and play, she wishes that we could all just have a big rock and play burn party, which kind of makes me a little happy, although that sounds really weird. But it's just something that, you know, if you have a newborn baby out there, this is like your number one tip. Do not begin to rely on that rock and play. But it becomes something that my clients hide from me because it's really easy. It's really easy to get into the groove of using the rock and play as your number one sleep source when actually I want your baby to start learning some self-soothing strategies. Okay, if you thought these four things my clients hide from me were good, y'all, you've got to get the entire list, 10 things my clients try to hide when we're working together. I want you to head over to littlezsleep.com slash 10, T-E-N, things, littlezsleep.com slash 10, things so you can get the entire list of things my clients try to hide from me so that we can make sure your sleep training success and your child's sleep future is totally clear. As you're hanging out waiting for the next podcast episode to download next week, I want to connect with you on Instagram. So would you head over and follow me at Little Z Sleep, send me a DM, let me know that you tuned into today's podcast and I cannot wait to connect with you over there. Sweet dreams. See you next time.